I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and as usual, I'm joined by me old buddy, me old pal, it's not Ryan Peacock in NFL, what's bloody going on buddy? Well, can I say uh, firstly, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you this evening, uh, Steve, and thanks for inviting me on the show. You come out with some formal stuff every now and then. I know, every now and again I sort of think, you know, try and do things properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. at least one of us is. So what's going on, man? You were down at the uh, Games in London on behalf of Gridiron and did a bit for ourselves, of course, as well. How'd you find it? Good? Yeah, of course, yeah. It's, it's great to get down there. I had to talk and be friendly with lots of Vikings fans, though. But um, after the interviews I did with them, I uh, made sure I told them that I wasn't happy they'd injured my quarterback. Mm. Um, at that point, then they realised I was a Packers fan. And uh, to be fair... Everybody I spoke to said that it was. Uh, they acted quite in quite a classy manner. Yeah. There was nobody that laughed about it or poked fun. Um, so yeah, had some good conversations with them. Love the Browns fans; they're the best. They were like, "Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna win today. We're gonna win today." Uh, and I'm like, you, "You haven't won all season. What's different about today?" And they're like, "Well, because we're in London, so I feel like London's gonna bring us a win." And you're like, um, "Okay, Miles Garrett's not playing. Jabril Peppers not playing. Joe Thompson." Yeah, yeah, but we're going to win today. I'm like, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, well, blind optimism. Um, yeah. yeah. Like us Packer fans without A-Rod, what can we say? So did you see that news come out? A-Rod said that uh, Barr went and grabbed... They kept saying, like, gave me the... What was it? Flipped me off and gave me the suck it sign, which means uh, grabbing his balls. So there's no other way around it than grabbing balls. <laughs> so that's what he means by that, is grabbing the yeah, crotchular region. He said the suck it sign. And I was hoping to see like a full on Shawn Michaels sort of DX suck it. Yeah. Um, but he didn't go for it. So he no. just went for the uh, the nut grab, uh, an MJ style, I'm guessing. Yeah, because I thought it was going to be the friends one then. Is it that suck it, you know, where they put their hands, they clap their forearms together for all of the slightly older but not so old fans. Uh, not a shout out to you, Steve Hale. Uh, you know what I mean? You you probably, this probably went way over. This is what the whippersnappers were doing, watching friends when you were eating your wireless original with your checkered slippers and what else uh, Steve Hale does be doing but yeah so he came out and then Anthony Barr came out and uh, refuted that and said oh he has you all fooled Ryan is it a silly question on a Packers podcast to ask who you believe <laughs> look it's, it's a bit of a he said she said and all the rest of it um, I've already given my view on the on the hit and again sort of discussed that with some Vikings fans at the weekend I still don't really have that much of an issue with a hit. Then if you talk about the afterwards, I mean, Barr came out and defended his actions by saying as Aaron Rodgers walking off the field, he's uh, swearing and shouting at him and all the rest. Mm. Um, So how do you react to that? I guess at the time, if you feel you've done nothing wrong and it's an unfortunate injury for Aaron Rodgers, then maybe you do sort of say, come on, piss off sort of thing. Um, Whether you grab your nuts or or stick your finger up, I I don't know. But uh, I kind of think it's something and nothing. I mean, a lot of a lot of fans came out originally and said, "Oh, well, you know, there's a million cameras out there, and not one of them caught it." And then, of course, somebody went back through all the footage. I, I imagine painstakingly, mm. and uh, and found the footage of him grabbing his nuts. Um, so there you go. There is your footage. Or your ma, right? Imagine you're in there all day in your room, and someone says, "What are you doing in there?" And like, looking for nuts, looking for nuts yeah. on the internet. I mean, yeah, okay. just looking for a big guy wearing purple grabbing his balls. Mm. Who isn't? So, yeah. Who yeah. is not? 
Yeah, tough times. But look, I don't really like anyone who's like, oh, I can't believe whatever. They're, look, they're going to say to each other when you've been slammed into the ground when, you know, it seems like a late hit. It's the heat of the moment. I've said worse in my car. I've said worse in my car driving along and someone cuts me off. You'd swear that they had murdered a family member of mine uh, when really they just broke a little bit too much, just a teeny bit, just a weenie bit to make me go uh, slightly and then that was it. They were dead to me. They were, you know, this, that, the other. <laughs> I think the thing is, though, let's face it, we're all getting a little bit too... Um, I'm all for player safety and I think so the league is as well. I think they are genuinely all about the safety. But when it comes to that hit on A-Rod, when it comes to the hit on Joe Flacco the other night, that's another one, Paul Kiko Alonso is getting absolutely destroyed from all angles of the media. And uh, some of Flacco's teammates, I think quite rightfully as well, obviously came and gave him some words and threw him to the floor and all the rest of it. But like he just made a hit on a quarterback that should have dived sooner, um, should have slid a whole lot better than he did. Yeah. Um, but what, what's a player supposed to do? I mean, are they supposed to go easy and then maybe not make that tackle or you know, not make that sack or allow that pass to get off or... Or whatever. It's very difficult for a defender to do something at full speed and get it right every time. So I don't. I think at the moment I'm all for the. Like I said, obviously we're all for the the player safety thing, and uh, we know that quarterbacks have been a protected species now for the last twenty or so years. But at some point you have to let the defense play, and so I think we need to remember that there's two sides of the football. And a rare species. They've been on the endangered animals list now for quite some time. You can't touch those fellas. It's very hard to get. A franchise quarterback. But the Kiko Alonso hit, um, first off, cool name. I'm liking yep. Kiko. If I, if he would have hit Joe Flacco a couple of months before, my son could have been called Kiko if I could get that boy. Um, sounds like something with a Pocahontas, doesn't it? Like a little raccoon or something. It's cool. Um, there, he probably is Kiko. I like the name. I like the name. I'm not slagging off anybody with the name to all you Kikos listening. But uh, Joe Flacco slid late. Uh, he had half his body still up on the ground. And it's hilarious. If you listen to Kiko Alonso's interview after, it's like he's ran out of words. It's like the hit against Joe Flacco made his words fall out of his head because he kept going, it's bang, uh, it's bang, bang, play. Um, you know, they're like, okay, well, blah, 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 a lot of controversy. Like, you know, do you think you could have pulled out? Well, like, like I said, it's uh, it's a bang, bang, play. You know what I mean? Is, is it not the, what is it, the Flintstones where the guy goes, bang, bang. Is that not bang, bang? I don't know. Name? Who knows? Anyway. I don't know. Come on, no talk idea. to us You've about Talk to us about Martellus Bennett. I'd, I'll be on. I mean, obviously, performance so far this season, some would say it's not too much of a loss, but I always feel like so far this year, I mean, it's great. We love the off-field character, and we said when he turned up, you know, we're excited about a guy that comes in with character, a bit of personality, and adds that maybe to the locker room. But as the season sort of was going on, I was thinking, is all the off-the-field stuff and the character and all the rest of it, does it distract him from the football player? Now, I'm not just... This is going to sound like I'm almost being bitter now because he's come out and said that he's uh, going to potentially retire at the end of the season. This will be his last one. But you kind of wonder, like, he's obviously been around several teams. I think... Um, oh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. Is it Dallas, New York, Chicago, New yeah. England, mm-hmm. Green Bay, I think. Um, so he's been around a fair few teams and he's never stuck at one or the other. And so there's a question there. No doubt he's an absolute awesome talent. Um, he's come to the Green Bay Packers. Things haven't quite worked out yet. We've seen flashes of things. Obviously now things are going to be more difficult for him to shine. Um, but for him to come out and obviously now say after just uh, eight eight games or, or seven seven games into the season for the for the Packers, yeah, that he's uh, considering retirement. Do I think it's a massive loss? 
on this season's performance, I'd say no. But what I do think was a loss was losing somebody like Jared Cook, where we went and signed Martellus Bennett in favour of Jared Cook. And obviously, Jared Cook is not going to retire, and Jared Cook did a very nice job for us. So I feel that's been a bit of a loss. But, you know, if he does retire, I feel like we've got two good tight ends on the team in um, in, in Richard Rogers, who I think is in a contract year and needs to probably get a new deal done for next year. And I think they will do that because I know that Aaron Rodgers particularly likes him being on the team. And I think that Lance Kendricks has done well when we've seen him. So you can probably roll forward with those guys. There's a lot of people saying, oh, there's all this uncertainty next year again at tight ends. No, no, I think Richard Rogers gets done. Lance Kendricks is still there. Both are very good. Maybe you pick up a guy late in the rounds, even an undrafted tight end, maybe some sort of ex-basketball player type tight end, or do what I want to do, whereas if I was playing Madden, I'd go and sign uh, Troy Fumagalli out of Wisconsin. But that's just a homegrown dream. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, based on play, not a huge miss. Uh, a massive surprise, really, because I think there's been a good few occasions, including that pass that Aaron Rodgers was smushed into the ground by Anthony Barr on. That was a very catchable ball, and he's just not catching it. You know, like these balls are coming into the bread basket, but he's just not hauling them down. So it's not even a case where, you know, he's getting double, triple covered. He's getting opportunities and just not taking them, which is surprising. Now, we can speculate all day to say, is it the off-the-field issues? Is it the stuff with his brother? Um, You know, I don't know. I kind of... That whole thing, and I think I said it on some earlier podcasts, this whole thing about how interesting it was and all this type, that whole narrative, I got very bored of that very quickly because it was one of those, you know, really dumpy off-season narratives of, oh, look, there's a football player who was in the caveman. Yeah, there's plenty of those dudes out there. Arian Foster, you know, running back, he was seen as, you know, very intellectual until he was, wasn't that smart because he was caught in a car taking selfies with his mistress. Um, so how clever can you be and how zen can you really be if you're going to be a bit of a dope doing that? Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to sort of paint himself across as being sort of a learned man off the field. Like, of course, these guys are guys. They're normal lads. You're going to have the boneheads. You're going to have the jocks like Brian Cushing, who, you know, was going around jamming his head and, you know, what is it, headbutting people without his helmet on? You know, and then you're going to have the people like Martellus Bennett. With Martellus, to be honest, he's... The character that he is, he seems like a bit of a peacock, no offence, in the sense that, you know, he likes to be flamboyant, he likes the attention on him, he likes saying something that's different, he likes shaking you up. We all have one of those in our in our man groups, you know? Um, and he just needs to perform on the field, which he's not doing, he's dropping catchable balls. But, like, I think, you know, the, the ceiling is really high for this dude, and he could turn it around if he wanted to, but I just don't know what the issue is that's preventing that from happening. Now, we saw last season with the Patriots, apparently he was carrying some injuries. So, is there some latent stuff like that coming over? We can't say. But Rob Domofsky has a piece on ESPN that totals up out of his three-year deal, um, 21 million deal with the Packers. You know, if he retires after one, well, then he stands to lose about 17.5 million or 17.15 million is, is what he says. So, a lot of money to be lost for Martellus. It's a lot of money for anybody to lose, no matter how wealthy you are. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. But as you said, Ryan, I mean, it's not as if... Because people are like, oh, well, then we're screwed next year. Well, you know, if he's not performing this year, we're not kind of screwed this year at the same time. It's just, it's, you know, people looking at the potential of what Jared Cook could have given us versus what Martellus Bennett did. But none of us, including us, can look back and say, oh, they should have kept Jared Cook because this looked like an absolute upgrade. Even from the gradings on Pro Football yeah. Focus alone, it was an upgrade. So Yep, yeah. agreed. 
Um, anyway, look, this is a bi-week pod. This is going to be a short pod because myself and yourself are knackered. You've been off gallivanting doing your um, gridiron stuff as well. And with everything else that's going on, we, we said to ourselves, right, that we give ourselves a bit of a break. So we're going to try contain this one to 30 minutes. So to round it off after the Packers news, let's dig in and let's just pick two offensive linemen. Let's let's hit the right side of the offensive line for our all-time team because if anyone was listening to the one that we released last, uh, we finished off the defense. So you. we're going to hit up the offensive line. The right side, Ryan, is we're being lazy here, aren't we, a little bit? Well, it's not even so much being lazy because I said to you, well, these, well, you said these are the names, right? And I went, yeah, but, you know, let, let's try and find somebody so we can, you know, have a discussion. And then mm. you kind of look through it and you go, there's really no point in having a discussion because the two names on the right side of that line are the two names. Yeah. And I, and I can't find anyone to really compete against it. There are other very good people in those positions, but when we're talking about the best of all time, mm. there are just two names. Um, what I do like, though, is every time we look at offensive linemen is uh, just to always remember the Tony Mandarich offensive line uh, draft pick and just remember that we took that guy in front of a certain Dion and Barry Sanders. Yeah. yeah. And they were never heard of again. What a great choice by the Packers. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. If only. Could you imagine if we're actually sitting here, you know, oh, who who knew? But no, this guy was cut after three seasons and Dion and Barry went on to do all right for themselves. So, yeah, he probably won't make our offensive line on the all-time team. But no. uh, there's a bunch of guys that might. Well, they will because we've got to fill it. We we uh, we go off, don't we? we? We sort of look at all these articles that people released online. Most of them are like supremely out of date. And usually it's honourable mentions and they give a couple. But he's the only one that makes a dishonourable mention list. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only like one. Uh, oh, well. Poor old Tony. Tony he Tony. was supposed to be the best thing coming out of college ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you don't believe us, go and look him up. Tony Mandarich, you can see all the people that were drafted after him that the Packers could have had. Because mm. believe me, it doesn't stop at Dion and Barry Sanders. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine that? If, if if the Packers at that time, how they were doing in those years, managed to pick up a player like Barry Sanders. They'd have completely rewritten history. Uh, do you think so? Or do you think that maybe he wouldn't have got the action going, you know, behind a dump? I don't know, because he's, he's one of those few players like, a bit like a LeBron James where you could put him in any situation and that team will perform. You feel like he's one of those sort of one-off athletes that, mm-hmm. you know, one of a one one of a generation sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do. But there you go. Yeah. The draft is a lottery. That's it. Well, look, if I had a time machine, I'd find greater use for it than go back and tell the Packers to not draft Mandarich. Um, and I won't even go on about punching baby Hitler in the face. So... I reckon we, look, the, the easy one to start off, well, there are two easy ones, but the one that people know more is Jerry Kramer. Let me post this to you, right? Jerry Kramer, his stats are ridiculous. Do you think that people have a lot of affection for him now because of the amount of publicity that he gets online? I mean, he's certainly got a big following. Uh, he's a cult following, not only because he was a, a fantastic player, um, but... Anytime you hear him speak, you just can't help but lap it up and you just want to hear more and more. His stories of the Lombardi era Packers um, and even teams since then as well are just are just brilliant to hear him talk. You know, he's a great storyteller. Um, I think he has this cult following as well because this there's the whole injustice of him not being in the, in the Hall of Fame. 
Um, and hopefully that gets put to bed very soon. Um, so I think he has a lot of, he stayed very current because of those things, if you know what I mean. So he's very much in everyone's thoughts, but that takes nothing away from, from him, um, obviously deserving this spot because he was just, well, he was, it's hard to say that he was, well, I want to kind of say is, you know, he was the backbone of that offensive line, but actually everybody on that offensive line was the backbone of that offensive line. It was brilliant. Yeah. And there'll be an argument on this all-time team for having all five positions on our offensive line uh, taken up by players who probably played together on the same teams. It was that good. Yeah. So he absolutely makes his spot. You know, we we tried to search for some uh, some people to bring in to make it a discussion, but unfortunately there is no other player that's going to go in that spot but number 64. Yeah, so Jerry Kramer, right guard. Because what worries me, Ryan, is, is that... You know, the effectively the marketing campaign that's online because his daughter has campaigned like crazy to get him in. And what I worried was is, you know, are we looking at this the wrong way? Like, are we looking at it and going, yeah, he's a legend? But like, we don't, we didn't see him play. An awful lot of the people who are fans of us and, and are adamant for him have the Jerry Kramer 64 and open your door for 64 tees. Um, haven't seen him play. So it's what you hear about him, what his daughter's saying about him you know, what the one or two seconds of grainy footage will say, you know, that same clip about like, where to go, Jerry, you know, Vince Lombardi saying it. But then I was thinking about that and I was thinking, you know, are we, are we being true? Are we doing the proper research? And then I go back to when I read his book um, and I go back to his stats and I'm like, yeah, the guy was absolutely the real deal. Definitely deserves his spot. Because th- this is what I got worried about is that I've seen people online, Ryan, become militant about the dumbest stuff. Like, I've seen yeah. this girl, right? And I followed her, you know, and you kind of, you get used to these Twitter handles, right? You don't sort of know who they are in real life and not a word of political activism out of her whatsoever. But then she went up with Jeb Bush rally with like a mate. And then all of a sudden she was the biggest Jeb Bush person ever. Her whole bio was about Jeb Bush. Every photo was about Jeb Bush trying to get him elected president. Then he went and got dumped out. And then she got onto somebody else that she went to a rally for. And this other girl, she not to pick on women it's something to do with women it's just that this this other girl she um she got obsessed with some uh radio show some ted town dolls or some bull i don't know what she kept banging on about and then she went and saw uh you know impractical jokers and she became obsessed with the four dudes from impractical Jokers. she was going to all yeah. their shows getting pictures with all them and ryan objectively they are some of the ugliest men i've ever seen but this one got like militantly for them and it's just yeah, a, I mean, I, I see. I understand that. I understand that because, like, once I had pizza, and now I'm militant about it. Although I have moved on to Oreos, like I can't have a cup of tea if I don't have Oreos. Don't bother making me a cup of tea. Is that <laughs> what, that's what you're saying, isn't it? Brian Peacock with the cutting example of how. <laughs> yeah, I, you know me. I love a good analogy. Yeah, um, institution. But yeah, look, it's quite similar. I, I know exactly where you're coming from with Jerry Kramer, but look. The, the legend of Kramer is there because it is true. He was mm. amazing. Yeah. Um, he started as a rookie, uh, for one. To come into that, to, to the team then, 1958, things hadn't been going brilliantly well, let's say. Um, he comes in and starts as a rookie, ends up playing 11 seasons. Um, also a kicker as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as as we all know, incredibly difficult skill. Well, so, you know. It's not, it's well, it's, you know, if you get a bad hold and a dodgy snap, it makes <laughs> it much harder. Yeah, if, but, well, it just didn't happen to you. I know you can't relate to that. I know you've read stories about that online, <laughs> but that doesn't relate. But yeah, his, in 1962, his field goal percentage conversion rate was 81.8%. 
Yeah, not bad for an offensive lineman, is it? Tell you what, with flat-toed boots. Yeah, I, I need a pair of them. I think that would make it a lot easier. Yeah. But it's just it's just everything he came through, you know. It's all he won, um, 11 seasons, five championships. Um, everything he had to overcome personally as well. I think you've spoken before about some of the gruesome injuries that he'd had. Mm. Um, you know, to overcome all of those as well and still play at the level he did. Yeah. Um, just an un- unbelievable football player and somebody that's so likeable. Somebody that, you know, really should be in the Hall of Fame and hopefully... Uh, very soon that injustice will be be put to bed um, because he, he has to be there, you know, and I don't know what argument they've been coming up with all these years. Some think it's because, you know, there's too many people in the Hall of Fame from that team already or or whatever it might be. I don't know. But um, he should be in there and, and hopefully he will be because he deserves it. And I think as well his daughter deserves it as well because she's, I know she says that, you know, that's not why she's doing it, but she does deserve some successor as well because she's tried so hard to campaign on his behalf. Yeah, well, trying to raise, raise her kid, um, I believe Charlie, actually, which is weird, which is my son's name. But yeah, he's um five-time NFL champ, two-time Super Bowl champ, which is the first two Super Bowls. Um, He finished fourth in the NFL in scoring ahead of Jim Brown in 1963, is a member okay. of the first-team all-decade team in the 60s, the 50th anniversary NFL team. Yeah, and he's the only member of that which isn't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's part of the Super yeah. Bowl anniversary team. He's in the Packers Hall of Fame. And they said as well, he often gets introduced as a Pro Football Hall of Famer, Jerry Kramer, and he has to go, I have to stop you there. I'm actually not. And that's where, you know, his his reputation precedes him. And on top of that, if anyone wants to know why he's able to regurgitate Lombardi's quotes, there's two reasons. One, he was writing a diary at the exact time that, that all of that was going on so he would write it down verbatim because he was making a diary and then he had some recordings as well which were released subsequent years of Lombardi's locker room quotes so he gets in at right guard uh, right tackle was equally as easy wasn't it Ryan? yeah it was yeah and um, another player again I mean I'm really because I right I do like to have a good argument with Steve as some of you listeners will know yeah. and uh, you know we don't like to admit that each other are right at times but there was really no argument to be had on this one. Or well, we should say discussion, shouldn't we? That's more professional. Yeah. But there was no discussion to be had. Forrest Gregg makes this spot. Just as easy as Jerry Kramer made his spot, Forrest Gregg's in here as well. So You say that with the missiles, Ryan? You're like, we're not arguing. We're having a really heated discussion. Oh, no, no, no. There is, look, look we, we know the women are always right and there's just no point in arguing. Yeah, even when they're wrong. Yeah, yeah but even so, we still end up being wrong. Yeah. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. But yeah, Forrest Gregg, the man that Vince Lombardi said was the best he had ever coached. Yeah. I mean, who are we to argue with Vince Lombardi? Yeah. He's got to be in that team, right? Yeah, this is where we mic drop and just leave the room because, I mean, yeah. no one over it. Because that's the thing, you wanted to argue with me, but then you you saw what El Vincent had said and you're like, you know what, <laughs> yeah. not going against that chap. Yeah, I'm quite happy arguing with you. If you say, if you say the sky's blue, I'll tell you it's pink. But if Vince Lombardi <laughs> says it, I've really got nowhere to go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, look, Forrest Gregg, another guy in that 60s all-decade team, uh, won five championships just like uh, old Jerry. And won another one with the Cowboys. Yes. Went there at the same time as Herb Adderley, I believe. Yeah, the two boys. And I think he's one of the only players, along with Fuzzy Thurston, I think, who's won that amount of championships with two different teams. I think Fuzzy went off elsewhere as well. Did the same. Um, so yeah, 1960s All-Decade team, five championships, six in total with the other one uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, nine Pro Bowls. And again, I love this, that he 
had 187 and 188, depending on what website you read, consecutive games played. And no one had surpassed that level of durability until Brett Favre came along and did it in 2003. So, you know, this this guy played 1956. I think he had the uh, the nickname of Iron Man, didn't he? Yeah. That, that is what they used to call him. Yeah, it's deadly. So 1956, and then he played 1958 to 70 because I think he served in the army in 1957. So, you know, he, he has it all. He's the, you know, Iron Man, tough, constantly playing, all the records, best player that Lombardi had ever coached, six championships, world championships, military service. So, and he's from Texas. So, you know, no one does it bigger and better than uh, first Greg. Nice. Yeah. Came out of SMU as well, isn't it? Are they the Mustangs? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend there. I think yeah, let's they are. Let's just say, yeah. It's uh, do you know what? It's very <laughs> Art Nouveau of you to say that, Ron. Um, so nobody yeah, knows what that means. His coaching career as well, you know, a bit hot and cold. He did pretty well with the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl in '81. Okay, so that's the right side of our line sorted, Steve. Yeah. Um, pretty easy one to be honest. Yeah, they should all be that easy. And we all, this is the yeah this is the first time we've said well, this will be easy and it was easy. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Because we said it about the QBs, we said about the running backs, it turned out they weren't that easy to decide. Mm. Um, there were positions, obviously, the Reggie Whites, the Ray Nitschkes, and uh, so on. But uh, yeah, so this was the first actually easy one where it was two names in, done. So I also, oh, I need to, I need to, I don't know if in the media world this would be called a retraction or an apology, but I need to bring it up. Obviously, we had, uh, is it Dave Hanna oh, yeah. on our defensive line yeah so i had him down as number 77 and i was corrected by a few people that he was number 79 um now when i did that obviously we checked his jersey number um and we saw that he had a 77 and a 79 in various pictures and on his playing cards and all the rest um and i went with 77 because that's the first number he wore for the packers obviously again it's a player that i never personally saw play um and you guys said to me, you know, he's known in Green Bay for wearing the 79. So we've changed it to 79. So apologies for that. But that's why he was 77. That was the thinking I went yeah. with. Well, you've explained it now. So, yeah. so we're good. So that's on me. Yeah. Yeah. My mistake. But look, I reckon anyway, we need to uh, we need to address today's big rumors that I think Rob Demosky might have broke first. Yeah. Okay. Packers. Um, London 2018. What do you reckon? What do you make of that? Well, Brian, I, there's a number of things that we get here all the time. And I think it's one of those things that let's, let's give it. Well, this is from me now. This is a quick list. Number one is that the Packers are playing in London. Not only were we told that, we're told I have a friend who works for NFL UK and and then other people, oh, I have a friend who works in the Packers. Somebody's, yeah, somebody's always got a friend in the know that so far has been wrong, what, four out of four yeah. years? That we've been getting yeah, told every that. year we get told that's one thing another thing is is that we'd say hey lads don't know if you know but uh the game's on sky this weekend and we're like yeah we know like and we've probably tweeted it out about 10 times but we still get that we get hey lads got an idea for you fantasy and we're like yes we already have 15 leagues in operation currently and we're opening the 16th as we speak you know there's certain let me be your fantasy exactly that it's a tune in it banger bit of nice yeah. dance but I what think. comes in as well with this London game is is people are like, we're like, oh, we'd like the Packers to play in London. And people are like, oh, well, <laughs> they're not going to give up a home game. And we're like, yes, yes, we know. We know they're not going to give up a mm -hmm. home game. We've... 
it should also be said as well we don't we don't expect them to give up a home game and i think as well we don't want them to give up a home game because you know that green bay belongs to those shareholders and the people in and around green bay you know we get that what we would like or what we would hope would happen would be a road game but we also understand as well that for some packers fans that's their only opportunity to see as well so we understand it all and we get it all um, but i feel like because now a number of us fans travel over there that we we have a a right to at least dream of the day the packers might come to london and don't forget as well this narrative and why it's even been spoken about is because alistair kirkwood has come out who's the you know md the ceo of nfl uk and said 26 of the 32 have played here now and he wants the opportunity to have all 32 you know there's he said it'd be a nice narrative but just because it's a nice narrative kind of who cares you know like why would it matter that all 32 teams play and why did i have to round it out next year you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and so it's it's kind of awakened the beast but look at here's how it works and this is what we've been told by you know publicly by mark murphy um, and other execs in the packers organization is that they do tiered ticketing so in other stadiums for an away game which is their home game so this will like the rumored game is the rams game so the way to it'll work with the rams is is that they're going to play the Packers and they can sell those prices, those tickets or whatever, for the highest price because the Packers fall into that kind of elite bracket. So they get to charge sky-high prices. They get to bundle it, which is what they used to do for Irish rugby, is they used to bundle, you know, the Springboks versus, and then they'd have some crap team coming in, and you could only buy those two games together. So that's what they do uh, in the NFL, is that they'll bundle the Rams and Packers tickets with some dump team like the Browns. Sorry to all the Browns fans that you were chatting away to. That's great, no. Uh, But their team sucks. So you get them, you know, coupling that with some team like that. So they don't want to give it up. And then the Packers team travel better than any team in the NFL. Every other team. That's what they actually call the Packers the real America's team. Not only because, you know, they have the most fervent fans and blah, 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 but they travel the best. And so NFL owners absolutely love them. They pack out the hotels. They can jack the prices up for them. And I think they bring in something like 10 million or something. So something ridiculous anyway, um, econ- economic uh, advantage. Yeah, wise. well, I think they said, didn't they, that the Jags made more money out of the Packers home game that they had in, in, in Jacksonville. They made more money out of that game than any other visiting team that season. So they were saying that year when, when it was rumored to be we would play against the Jags in London, that it would never happen because they already make a massive amount of money. So yeah, when one of the uh, lesser supported teams comes to town, that's when you move it to London to sell out the stadium. Because yeah, then they get all the revenue from that. So one. I think I think the biggest problem with, with the Packers in London is, yes, obviously, Packers fans in the UK, Ireland and Europe, they want to see it. Obviously, they want it. A lot of neutral fans in Europe want to see the Packers here because... As you've seen out of the four games this year, three of them were pretty poor. And then when you go, well, which one was the best? And you go, well, it was the Browns and Vikings. You go, Jesus. But, you know, that's what it was. So, you know, people want those big teams. They want to see uh, Dallas here. They want to see the Packers here. They want to see New England here um, or Seattle or somebody like that. That's who they want. And so the fans want them here. But it just seems at this point, and and I don't mean to be a dampener on the whole thing, but I feel like there's so many more reasons why it won't happen than why it will happen. Now, we were lucky enough to run into Rob Domofsky in week one this year 
uh, down by the locker room, you know, whilst me and Steve were sort of, we, we managed to break in and pretend to be important for a, for a few hours, didn't we? And uh, we ran into Rob Domofsky, um, realised that me and him shared the same barber. Um, but he spoke to us and he said, you know, I think it's going to happen next year. Maybe it's the Rams. Um, but then we spoke to somebody else a bit later that day and they said, oh, no, it's not going to be the Rams. It might be this team. And then somebody else goes, oh, no, it's neither of those teams. It's not happening. You know, so there's so many different reports coming out from all over the place. And like we said, we've been burned in previous seasons where, you know, we got assured that somebody's mates, aunties, uncles, dogs, taxi driver told them, um, you know, and we got too excited about it. So let's be excited about the prospect. It happens one day. Do not rush out and go and put any money on them being here in 2018. That's the only thing I'd say. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. Um, sorry to put a dampener on people, but it's only being reignited again because it's the bye week and people want a story about the Packers. So a story about the Packers comes out yep. and they ask Alistair Kirkwood, would you like the Packers here? One of the best teams in the NFL, you know, to a neutral fan, the best team in the NFL to us. And he's going to say, yeah, I'd love the Packers to come here. And that's all of a sudden it's reignited again. Would this be a story if it wasn't bye week? No, probably not. But yeah, don't get your hopes up. We get this every single year and hopefully we'd be privy to some info as well. So, you know, if we are told anything, we'd like to be able to bring that to you, lads. And lassies. Seen a lot of people as well um, say, you know, what would we do for it? Would we be able to get tickets for everyone together? Obviously, you can bet your bottom dollar that me and Steve would be working every second of every day to try and achieve Mm -hmm. that. Whether it's possible or not, we don't know, but we'd certainly be doing something. We'd certainly be having a big meet-up um, some sort of large-scale party in London, um, wherever that stadium might be next yeah, year. Yeah, because we'll be coordinating that, hopefully, with the Packers as well, you know. We'll be trying to mobilise fans to whatever tailgate and stuff that they want to put on because they're brilliant at doing stuff like that. So, you know, keep it tuned and get prepared for that email to say Packers are coming to London because we, we'll bang that out to you. Um, any other business then, Ryan? We have the 1919 Club, so we have a few tickets left for that, which is the longest 1919 yeah, Club ever. Yeah, 1919 seems to be going on really well. Let, let me remind you of the prizes here. A Jake Ryan signed football, starting inside linebacker for the Green Bay Packers and very good-looking man. Um, John Brockington photo and I can't remember Johnny the other one. Jolly. Johnny Jolly. Yeah, Johnny Jolly. So, uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you want to win them prizes? So let's get involved. Let's get that done. Yeah. Um, yeah just four pounds a ticket so let's get that done uh, also Super Bowl tickets Dublin tickets are still available um, we've got the Browns meet in November which isn't ticketed but there's you know a bunch of guys meeting there very uh, very casually but uh, we're doing that in London so get on to ukpackers.co.uk and if you haven't been on there uh, why um, but all the meets are on there all the member stuff's on there you've got the shop on there with the great new products in um, there's an offers tab on there as well. So you've got things on there like your 10% link off at NFL UK, um, 10% off subscriptions to Gridiron magazines. There's other bits and bobs on there. So look, just get on the website. It's bloody good. Yeah, the writer doesn't mean to sound accusatory, but he does. Listen up, he's tall, he's big. So from myself, at NFL on Twitter, from Ryan, at Ryan Peacock NFL, from the group at UK Packers, make sure you follow us on Facebook, will you? Get the conversation going, just search UK Packers. Also Instagram, it's goodbye till next week. Guten Tag.